Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode. For additional details, must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com/slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kids' education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. baby welcome in it is a friday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj john jostremski ready to rock and roll for week two across the board the national football league i am fired up i had a game that should have been a cover basically the entire damn game herbert throws the pick six i might have used every word of profanity imaginable in the SNY newsroom. Good thing we were not on the air because the FCC would have fined me like $10 zillion for the amount of foul language I used on the Justin Herbert pick six. Thankfully, all is well. 
all is right. The Chargers, not good enough to win, good enough to cover. I am fired up, and I am ready for week two across the board. Quick note, first of all, great game. Two outstanding quarterbacks. Chargers miss Keenan Allen, sure. Chief offense, still pretty damn good. Did they miss Tyreek Hill at times in this game? The answer to that question is yes. But Mahomes and Herbert are going to be doing this for the next 10 to 12 years. We understand that. Herbert comes back after getting knocked out. He's tough SOB. Still made some baller throws. Guy's a stud. We all know that. Game was decided on the pick six. He had some wacky coaching. Clearly, the Chargers got to Brandon Staley and said, you can't go for it as much as you do. Andy Reid kicking a field goal on the one-yard line was bizarre. But nonetheless, Chiefs 2-0 to start the year. Chargers are going to be fine. They're 1-1. One one. That's a team that's going to win a whole lot of games. All right, now that we got Thursday Night Football out of the way, the stage is set for Week 2. And I sense that there is a good amount of anticipation, excitement, and, yeah, I'm going to say it, giddiness when it comes to the giant home opener Sunday at MetLife Stadium against the Carolina Panthers. There's a lot of it. The Giants gave you last Sunday a pick-me-up. They gave you a feel-good win. Saquon looked outstanding. You love what you saw from the coach. You saw resiliency from our dude, Daniel Jones, who came on the podcast on Tuesday. If you missed that, it was a gem. Daniel Jones, Rex Ryan, make sure you take that out and take a listen to that. Must-have stuff in Daniel Jones. You didn't know. So if you tweet saying, I have a weekly spot with Daniel Jones. I'm like, guys, where the hell have you been for the last two weeks? Yes, every Tuesday, the quarterback of the Giants is going to be joining us. But he showed all sorts of resilience, and the Giants went out and won the football game. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. Now, it's a matter of, showing me more. And we know there is a limited talent base on this team. We also know that they're in the right division and that they're in the right conference. Carolina came back in their game against Cleveland last week. Looked like Baker Mayfield was going to pull that game out of the fire against his old team. Didn't happen. Cleveland ends up winning the game. So you are going to get a very hungry Carolina team. But can the Giants find a way to make the big plays? that we saw last week in Nashville. Can Barkley perform the way he was able to perform? Can Daniel Jones go and play an efficient turnover-free football game where he executes in the red zone, the Giants are scoring touchdowns and are not kicking field goals? I don't think I'm crazy by saying this. Home Carolina, home Dallas without Prescott, home Chicago, I want 2-1 and one in that stretch. I don't think I'm being unreasonable. I think the Giants are good enough, despite their limitations, to go and get 2-1 out of that stretch. And you know what that does? That gives us an October of football around here, which, let's be real, you haven't had much of with the amount of 0-2s and 1-3s and 1-5s and that we've seen with these two football teams. So I'm pretty stoked to watch the Giants on Sunday. For the other team in town, I'm not going to lie. I'm not particularly stoked to watch the Jets. And... That's after Robert Sala makes a damn fool of himself with the whole dopey receipt statement, which just has all the potential in the world to blow up in your face. You want to tell that to your team? Sure. When you got the record Robert Sala has as a head coach, going out in the media and, and acting like, you know, this confident, suave, tough guy, we see right through that shit as New York sports fans. It is about wins. There is not one Jeff fan on planet Earth who liked 
hearing that from Salah after the Jets looked the way that they did against the Baltimore Ravens. But going back it up, give me something. Put up some points. If Flacco looks like garbage for the first half, appease the fan base for goodness sakes and give him Mike White. Jet defense, positive on Sunday last week. Jet offense, absolute nightmare. They need to run the football if they're going to have any chance against Cleveland because I don't think their offensive line is holding up against Garrett and that pass rush. They need to be able to run the football effectively, especially if that statue Joe Flacco is going to be a quarterback. So it's pretty low ball for the Jets. Nowhere to go but up, I would assume, after week one offensively. For the Giants, it's about sustaining that high and continuing to ride that high that we saw last week. So I'm pretty stoked for week two. We'll have Joe B coming up in a little bit with old school, new school, four and one week one for years. Truly one in four week for last year's winner. And if you remember, Benigo got out of the gate very, very sluggishly last year and then went on a ridiculous, ridiculous run. So maybe Joe is just like Brian Flores and he's a slow starter. I don't know what to tell you. Before we get to Benigo, as far as the baseball, the Mets desperately needed a win on Thursday. It was beyond unacceptable to go and get swept three straight games by the Chicago Cubs. A team, basically, that hadn't won a series in over a month. They come into City Field and sweep the Mets. You had to cut the nonsense immediately. Braves off. Braves play the Phillies this weekend. You needed a win. And you know what the Mets did? Unlike the three games they played against the Cubs, they had opportunities in those games. They didn't capitalize. Today, they get a couple of ducks on the pond early. Boom, Vogelback gets a hit. McNeil in the three spot, which, by the way, I love. I want to see more of it. He's one of your best hitters. Don't bury him and hit him sixth or seventh. Get him up in the order. McNeil's getting hits. Lindor, finally a home run with somebody on base. Felt like anytime Lindor Alonso hit a home run recently, it's uh, the sole variety and it's the meaningless home run variety. Lindor gives you some insurance. Carrasco is terrific. And great, the Mets win this game. They got a game lead over the Braves. Go and gain some games this weekend. You got to figure, minimum, the Phillies are going to get one. They've played the Braves tough this year. And the Braves just lost two to the Giants and they lost two to the Mariners. You got to go and take care of business here. Imperative to take care of business here. So, in reality, to make up for the Cubs series, go and sweep. Can't lose more than one. Cannot, cannot, cannot lose more than one of the Pirates. Now, as far as the Yankees go. The Yankees, Friday night, after losing that game with Hicks, dropping balls left and right, losing another game on Tampa, you were put in a predicament where they were dealing with some stress. And to their credit, they have not lost the game since. They won the two games against Tampa convincingly, and then they went up to Boston. We had our Spotify Live Tuesday right after the game. That was one of my favorite wins of the season. That was back and forth. Aaron Judge hits the two home runs. You get stellar work out of the Yankee bullpen. And when it looks like the Yankees aren't going to score in the extra innings, Labor Torres goes to right center field and clears the bases. And if you look at the two games they put up in Boston, Labor Torres was tremendous. He was the guy we saw in the first half of the year. He was the guy that we saw in 2018, 2019. Getting hits. Getting big hits. Lengthening out this lineup. Those are big boy wins. I don't want to hit the Red Sox stink. We know they stink. 
They put on uh, all sorts of defensive miscues. The bottom of their lineup is nothing to write home about. It's a down year. It's a lost year for the Red Sox. Who are the every other year type of team. I hope Simmons enjoyed that overbet. I thought it was a lock for 92 wins. So much for that. Hope he enjoyed that one. That was a that was a gem. Just like the Patriots last week. Major, major gem. Just uh just just saying. Anyway. Yankees do what they needed to do. They gotta get right. That means Rizzo back in the lineup. That means at some point LeMayu back in the lineup. That means Severino on the mound, who I think can really help out this team in a big way. Bader coming back next week. That way I don't have to see Aaron Hicks anymore. And then you wait on Benintendi. And you wait on Matt Carpenter and see if they can give you anything. Look, the Yankees have gotten to the point now, and I know we've said this on a few occasions. We really have. Where it seems safe. It seems like they're in the clear. I thought that after the Mets series, and then they tanked the West Coast trip. But I do think the way they played against Tampa and now where we're at at this particular point in the season, they're going to win the American League East. But can you feel better about the brand of baseball they're playing going into the postseason? That is the looming question that's hanging over this team. And they're going to play Milwaukee this weekend, and Milwaukee's got everything to play for. So, Yankees going to have to get off of these games. The Brewers need them. So, Mets have to win. Yankees, you want to keep these good vibes going. Try and go win another series. That'd be an accomplishment for the Yankees this weekend. But where they're at and the lineup, at least with Stanton and Glaber back and Donaldson back, it's somewhat professional. It's not all the way there, nowhere close. But Glaber really changes the look and feel of this thing. All right. Loaded show. Live all football Friday regulars. Before we do that, voicemails, they're coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Voicemail time. And remember, you want to get these in for Sunday right after the Jets and Giants games at 1 o'clock. Send them my way. We will be recording the pod after the 4 o'clock games. So after the 4 o'clock games, I'll get in the lab. We'll get out working on the podcast. 917-382-1151. Get the voicemails in after Jets, after Giants, whatever your feelings are, whatever your reactions are. Week two in the NFL and the baseball as well. 917-382-1151. All right, Steph, let's hear him. JJ, what's up, man? It's Chris and Marchmont. Um, yeah, it's weird not having baseball tonight, even though it's Thursday night football. But I just had just a quick call. First and foremost, I, I got to eat some crow about my Jets pick from last week. Um, listen, I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment and get all bent out of shape about it. Um, obviously, you know, I, I've been talked off the ledge a little bit as the week has gone on. I think this game against the Browns in a couple of days is pretty winnable. Um, but there's, listen, my leash for Mr. Sala is getting shorter and shorter by the, by the minute, especially when I see the coach that is on a team that, that shares the stadium with us because he seems like he's off to a pretty high start. And obviously, um, it has a little bit of a spunk to him by, by that, by that going for it, going for two on, on the, uh, on the touchdown. 
Um, a couple things for you. Number one. So I'm not sure if you, you heard the MVP chance for judge, um, at Fenway the other night. And, um, the interesting thing about that. So, so I have a theory about that and, and people are trying to figure out like what, you know, if it's somehow some level of respect that the Red Sox fans are showing judge. No, 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 no. I don't think it's that at all because my next door neighbor, his family, they're all Red Sox fans. And the thing that he told me is he hopes that judge breaks the record, wins the MVP, wins the triple crown, and the Yankees have to pay him $80 million, you know, $80 million and just eat all this money for a contract. And basically, I think the goal of these Red Sox fans is to cripple the Yankees by having to pay judge um, next year when we renegotiate his contract and, and sign him and it somehow affects the organization. So that, that's the theory about behind the MVP chance. And the second thing um, I want to mention is, listen, I'm not a Yankee fan who hates Mets fans at all. Um, I did get a little bit annoyed by the Mets in the late 90s when they when they get arrogant and start needling the Yankees and they have nothing to show for as a franchise. And especially, it was very glor- you know, gratifying to win that Subway Series. But there's a part of me right now with their struggles going into this weekend, coming off that sweep of the Cubs, that is actually enjoying it. And you know, they were really cocky a, few, a couple months ago, and we were struggling, and they were going to go to the World Series, and we weren't. And now the tables have turned a little bit. I'm not saying we have a lot of problems, a lot of baseball left to be played, but as we get to the final stretch of the year, I feel better right now as a Yankee fan than I think that people do on the other side of town as best fans. So love the show as always, Ben. Uh, love your thoughts on those two things. Be well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Well, Chris, number one, I appreciate the accountability. You did predict the Jet win last week. Listen, we all make bad predictions. It happens. It's part of the gig. It's part of the business. And I expect many more from me, from you, from all of us for that matter. But we love the accountability. That's number one. Um, As far as the judge stuff, I was there on Tuesday night. There were a gazillion Yankee fans there. A gazillion, a gazillion, a gazillion Yankee fans. My sense was the Yankee fan was chanting MVP. And, you know, I, I, I got all these Red Sox fans. And look, right now the Yankees are not in a position to talk a whole lot of smack over the last 10 years or so compared to Boston because they've won a couple of World Series in that time period. But I, I got like one or two Red Sox buddies trying to make the case that they're going to go sign Aaron Judge. And I'm like, honestly, guys, go take a hike. Your team stinks this year. I don't want to hear from you guys this year. Go away, please. Go away. The Red Sox got to worry about signing Bogarts and Devers. Please, uh, uh, spare me the lecture. I do think a lot of Red Sox fans, though, to your point, want exactly that. The Yankees to spend $45 million a year on Aaron Judge. They don't go and spend on other areas within the team. And Hurston. Yeah, I think the Red Sox fan would enjoy that. But the Yankees have no choice. What, are you going to not pay Aaron Judge? Please. My question to anybody who says, oh, I wouldn't pay him. Well, then who are you going to pay? Then what? Certain guys you don't mess with. He's one of those guys. I mean, have you seen the year he's put together? And you throw in the fact, no shifts, robotic strike zone. That's sort of thing I extend his career a little bit. Just saying. Who's next? Hey, JJ, Robin, New Jersey here. Three questions are coming up very soon in baseball that uh, nobody's talking about, really. One. Are we sure the NLE's winner is going to get the two seed in the bye? All this uh, effort about the Mets have to win the division. Have to win the division. Get that bye. The Braves and Mets in the lowest column four ahead of the Cardinals. Is it guaranteed that the NLE's winner gets the bye? 
and doesn't play in, in that uh, wild card round anyway? No, it's not guaranteed. Two, Aaron Judge, as we stand right now on Wednesday night, he's nine points out of the batting title. Nine points. You know, batting title, the leader can go down and the trailer can go up very quickly. In a matter of days, he could be leading the triple crown. Triple crown. No one's talking about that either. Aside from hitting 62 home runs, this guy can win the triple crown. That would be the greatest season of all time. And the Otani backers out there for MVP could stick it where the sun don't shine. And three, can you imagine, can you imagine if Judge is 61 or 62 next Friday when the Yankees are on Apple TV with Katie Nolan and nobody over 55 gets to see it because they can't work the app on their TV or they don't have a password. It's a potential disaster. New Yorkers are going to go absolutely ape shit if Judge breaks the record on an Apple TV game. What a disgrace. That is a loaded phone call there from Rob. Um, He's 100% right about the Apple TV. And look, I'm a guy, I have no problem watching the Amazon tonight. I thought the broadcast actually was. See, that's the difference between Amazon and Apple. Amazon went and got A-list broadcasters. They got Al Michaels, who's one of the best in the business. They got Carissa Thompson, who has been there and has done that. Herbie, Fitzpatrick, and Richard Sherman are going to be phenomenal on television. Like, phenomenal. I want to buy stock in both of their careers because they're opinionated, they're smart guys, they're very eloquent, phenomenal, phenomenal broadcasters. My girl, Taylor Rooks, who I worked with way back in the day over at SNY, rock star. Like, they brought in big-time personalities and broadcasters. Apple, on the other hand, they got people who never basically broadcasted games before and and thought it was going to work. Now, I get it. It's the NFL. It's baseball. Sure. But there's a right way to do a broadcast and a wrong way to do a broadcast. Apple, dead wrong. Amazon, for the most part, dead right. And, yeah, if you're in a bar Friday night and you're going out for happy hour and Aaron Judge and the Yankees are not on if he has 60 or 61 home runs, that's a problem. Totally, totally agree. That's a problem. But you can say the same thing if they were on Amazon Prime. Same sort of deal. That's where it hurts. And that's come from a young guy who can watch this stuff. No problem. But that's where it hurts. Um, Judge is having an all-time season. We all know that. And then your point about the Mets being caught by the Cardinals, or the Braves for that matter, don't see it. Not enough time. Simply not enough time. Again, it's four and a half games. Mets still have a ton of soft games on the schedule. And so do the Braves after they deal with the Phillies. All right, let's take one more in here, Joe B. Who we got? What's up, JJ? It's Ian Westchester calling. Um, just wanted to say real quick, first of all, the two Daniel Jones podcast interviews have been great. When this was announced, that this was going to be, you know, the big guest on the Tuesday show. You know, the guy's got the personality of a day-old piece of toast, right? I didn't have very high expectations, but it's clear that you've gotten him to open up. And I feel like I know way more just listening to two interviews from you that you've done. I feel like I've learned more about Daniel Jones than all the interviews and all the video you, video I've seen on the guy in the locker room from the normal, typical media. So just, Thank you for at least giving us an insight into this guy and what he thinks and how he operates. And, hey, man, if, if he turns it around and turns into 
the next franchise quarterback of the Giants. I think we have to we have to say thank you to JJ and the New York New York podcast for getting this guy turned around. So first of all, I just wanted to say that. Number two, you know I'm a big Giants guy, but I have to comment on what Bob Sala said this week. And yes, I call him Bob. He hasn't earned the Robert. He's a Bob. When you take the Jets job, you're a Bob. You're not a Robert anymore. But to say what he said this week, it reminded me of Joe Judge in last year, just saying these ridiculous things. You're keeping receipts? Dude, you're, you're cracking here, buddy. You're cracking. New York is tough. There's no doubt about it. When you're the Jets head coach, I feel like it's even harder because it's a dog shit franchise. Has been, honestly, always will be in my opinion. And yes, I do despise the Jets and I punch down on the Jets a lot, which I probably shouldn't do, but that's a question and a debate for another time. But listen, dude, you can't be saying these kinds of things in this town. Okay. It looks bad. It makes you look weak and it makes you look ineffective as a coach. And frankly, it makes you look scared and worried about your job security. So how about this? Get through the season. Maybe next year draft some offensive linemen. Learn from the team across town and the, my Giants and how bad we've been on the offensive line. I mean, taking Sauce Gardner at four, yeah, maybe the most talented guy in the draft at four getting good value. But you had a question mark at left tackle in Mekhi Beckton, who's now out. You know, you had George Fant, this guy, you're moving him all over the freaking line. The guy's frustrated as hell. He doesn't know where he's going to be playing day to day, week to week. And then you find a 37-year-old off the street who's on the street for a reason, Dwayne Brown, and now he's out. This team is clueless, man. They have always have been, always will be. And you know what? Zach is now on a bum knee coming back, your franchise quarterback. And, yeah, he's more mobile than freaking statue Giuseppe Flacco. But he's going to be running for his life on a bad knee. Good luck, Jets fans. That's all I have to say. And, yeah, I'm a little giddy after that Giants one win, the Giants first week win. What do you, you know, so what? So, all right, man. Hey, have a good one. Enjoy football. Uh, talk to you soon. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that. And I wholeheartedly agree on the Salah comments. And you know what Robert Salah and the Jets need? A competitive effort this week. They need a competitive game. They cannot be getting their doors blown off by Jacoby Brissett. I don't care how talented the rest of the Cleveland Browns roster may be. This game, they got to compete in. Cannot have more of the same. Cannot have another performance where the offense basically has like, like three points going into the you know final five minutes of the fourth quarter playing a whole lot of extended garbage time. Salah put himself on notice. And the Jet fan has been kicked. They've been bruised. They've been battered. They've been beaten. They don't want to hear it. You know what they want to see? Results. They want to see a program that is building, that is turning the corner. And right now, they don't trust you. And they don't trust the direction the franchise is headed in. Can you blame them? Betrayed too many times, you know? How many times can you be betrayed over and over and over again? So I thought the solid comment was silly. Um, as far as Jones, that's nice of you to say. Look, he's a really good kid. I find myself pulling for him. I really do. He's coming on the show each week. I don't want him to play poorly. I want him to play well. It's a lot more fun me talking about a competitive giant team with him as opposed to the team, let's say, that they had last year with these interviews. Jeez, you're going to be dead and buried by the time you hit week five or week six. I don't need that. So that's why week one was a lot of fun. And he didn't have a perfect game. The interception was a backbreaker, but he overcame it. And the Giants as a team were able to overcome it. Overcame it, overcome it. You like that grammar. You know, that's Syracuse at its finest. What can I say? But competitive football is what you want. It's what the Jeff fan wants. Like, if the Jeff fan got the effort the Giants gave him last week, they'd be getting it. 
they'd be absolutely giddy. The problem for Salah is it's his second year. So, like, that honeymoon phase is over. Dayball and the Giants are going to get that this year. No matter what happens, they're going to get it. You don't get that in the second year. I'm sorry. You just don't. So. Right now, the Jets are on one. They lose again this week. The Bengals are staring in your face. Then you lose the game to the Bengals, and it's Adam Shine. The Jets will start 0-7. And, like, that's going to be haunting you. How can it not be? I feel like I'm saying it in my sleep now, thinking of Shine, who was on fire. I heard him the other day. Getting our guy Catalan in the WAR Hall of Fame. You'll love to see that. All right. Old school, new school. What a debut in week one for yours truly. What do I have in store for an encore with Joe B? Week two picks. They're up next. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With sense of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. It is week two of Old School New School. We welcome back our pal, Joe Beningo. And Joe, I don't know what was worse, your week one or the Jets. Take your pick. Uh, well, I can bounce back. I question whether the Jets will. <laughs> I agree with that. We saw that last year, Joe. I know. We I, saw I that last year. I generally do get off to like a slug. Because week one is so freaking brutal, you know. It's a brutal week. But you went four and one. I mean, you're rolling, bro. Hey, listen. Nice start. We're not going to try and bury ourselves I, here. I, but it's about what you do in week two. And before we get to the picks, don't you always in week one to week two try to find at least one line that might be a little bit of an overreaction? Oh, I see a line that, uh, to me, we talked about this already, and I'm going to play this game. But, uh, you know, I got my concerns about the line. I will say that. Okay. All right. Well, All right. We'll, we'll get save, to that. Game. We'll save your jet thoughts for the end of this debacle. Uh, I, am I'm not, gonna... I am not taking the Jets. Uh, uh, yeah, the... I didn't think so. I, I didn't think happen. so after that Ravens fiasco no. from last no. week. Um, no. I'm going to start the proceedings here, Joe, after right, the four and one that? week. I'm going to start won. the proceedings and I'm going to get my best bet out of the way. All right. I love the New Orleans Saints getting two and a half points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are at home. I understand that New Orleans had a subpar game against Atlanta. I understand that New Orleans defense did not look good against the Falcons in any way, but they rallied back. Michael Thomas had a big game. Jarvis Landry had a big game. And if you look at Brady in the regular season, since he's been a Buccaneer, he has played miserable football and has not beaten New Orleans outside of the divisional round game. They got <laughs> swept two years ago. They got swept last year. The fact, Joe, 
that this line opened at three. Public in on Tampa, moves to two and a half. I love it. I love it. I love it. Saints are the best bet of the week. They're starting off the year 2-0, and oh, and Brady is losing this game. Well, you know what? We have a family play because I am with you on the Saints. Oh, yeah. Uh, for every everything you said. Now, of course, the biggest game that they played against the Saints uh, since Brady's been in Tampa, they beat him. And as you mentioned in that divisional playoff game in New Orleans, for that matter. But um, I'm with you, man. Uh, look, look. Last week, give the Saints credit. Atlanta's a paper team. I mean, let's be honest. Atlanta's a complete fraud. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can't you can't sell me Marcus Mariota. You know, I don't know what kind of uh, uh, head coach. Uh, you know, uh, what's his name again? Al- Al- Arthur Al- Smith. Close Arthur enough. Smith. Arthur Smith. Albert, yes. Arthur Smith. Albert Arthur. It's all right. Yeah, whatever. Bro. I don't know what kind of coach he is. I, I don't know. Uh, Marcus Mariota's their quarterback, but whatever. I'm with you on the Saints. I like their defense. You mentioned Thomas being back. Jarvis Landry. I think, I think Jameis Winston maybe didn't have the best game last week, but I still think he's better than he gets credit for. You know, uh, Taysom Hill is back, had a big touchdown run last week. He's always a factor uh, in that offense. I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Like you said, they've beaten them four straight times in a regular season with Brady. Give me the Saints. Give me the I'm with you. Get two and a half. I'm Joe, with you. for family. game two, I love family that we got play. a family play right out of the gate. Family Let's play. hope that it goes better than our family play of the Cowboys right. last week. Yeah. That was Which your only was loss. Over. By the way, that was your only loss. Let it me was. point that out. And notice, I picked against Brady in that game. I'm going against Brady again. Not that Brady yes. and the Buccaneers offense right. let the world right. on fire. Right. Dallas's offense was just a total joke. Yeah. I am going to take in game two, though, a team that was good to me last week. I'm going back to the well this week. Give me the Giants laying the two wow. against the Carolina Woo! Panthers. Hey, it worked out well in week one. The Giants, I think, are going to feed off of that crowd. I can't remember 2016, but what it feels like to be in town, Joe, talking about a 1-0 football team, I love the fact that this line has moved from 1-2. to two. I don't think Carolina is particularly explosive. Giants showed me something with Barkley. If Jones can go and play a turnover-free game, I think the Giant offense does enough here. I'm going with Brian Dable. I'm going with the team that's feeling good about themselves. Give me the Giants to go a surprise 2-0. and I'm laying the two, bro. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm not touching this game, but I'm going to say this. I mean, I, if you're a Giant fan, you got to be thrilled with Brian Dable. I mean, and how about week- them going for two, by the way, uh, Joe? Course, playing for the course. win. I loved it. Beautiful. And the fact that they were down 13-0 and came back in that game, I looked at defense, did a good job. They did a solid job against Derrick Henry and uh, Tennessee's offense. They got a little lucky at the end that Bullock missed the field goal. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I'm with you. And I think the Giants might have a coach. Just from what I saw in week one, I mean, the guy, they, they played for this guy. You can see them playing for this guy. And they already. actually had an offensive game plan. What a concept. They, they made big plays. Jones finding Shepard. Right, right. Barkley looking like the guy right. he was Barkley's before the, the surgery. But you know what? They got him the football. They were creative about well, that's it. That's what they got to do. Because Jones is still a liability. I mean, he turned the ball off. He had a fumble, at, you know, that. Uh, that, that cost them. He threw a pick in the end zone that looked like it was going to be the killer. The pick after they recovered See, that. He showed punt. me something though, Joe. After that brutal pick, getting them down the field and scoring a touchdown. Yeah, I don't know what it did. means for the rest of the year, right. but that's a spot you nailed it. I thought the game was over right then and there. Giants no are going to lose. So no for doubt. him to go and lead the offense down the field for a touchdown, I give him credit for that. All right. Well, good, you know, good luck with that. Uh, I, I'm staying off that game. I, I you know, the, the Panthers lost a brutal game last week to Cleveland. Came back, looked like they looked like Mayfield had pulled it out. 
So I don't know how I feel about that game. I will say one thing, one of the most overrated coaches in football in that rule. All right. With that said, I'm going against your team, bro. I'm taking the Ravens laying the three and a half. Uh, look, they did a great, great win last week against the Patriots. I don't know if the Patriots are any good. And I don't know how good the Ravens are. I mean, you know, it wasn't like they played this world beater of a game last week. You know, I, the Jets did a pretty good job containing Lamar Jackson as far as him beating him with his legs. You know, he did throw, uh, you know, the three touchdown passes. I get all that. Uh, you know, I, the Jets were able to move the ball a little bit on their defense. I don't know how good the Ravens are, but I don't know how good your team is. And I know your team has traditionally had a lot of trouble with the Baltimore How Ravens. about this, Joe? The Dolphins have not won in Baltimore. Since 1997. Yeah. And that's the early days of the Ravens. You're talking about the early days of that franchise. Correct. And we get it. They're not playing every year. It's not like the Jets or the Patriots or the Bills. But to not win in that building since 97. And remember, I'm sure the Ravens have this game circled on the calendar after what the Dolphins did to them last year with the zero blitz. Yeah. No doubt about it. I like the Ravens in this game. I'm with you. I'm all over them. Keep an eye on this stuff, though, with Jackson, that they're not giving him a contract. Because I, I, I wonder about that. I wonder if the Ravens feel that this guy, as good as he may be, can win him a Super Bowl. I wonder about that. But anyway, that's for down the road. Give me the Ravens lane the three and a half to get your Dolphins. You know, I thought about taking Miami because Baltimore's offense did not impress me against no, the Jets. No. No. Um, and I worry about that secondary. They just lost Kyle Fuller for the year. Right, and right. keeping up with Hill and Waddle is going to be a struggle for these defensive backs all season long. But, Joe, I can't do it because of the history in Baltimore. Yep. The Dolphins never play well there, and they never seem to win a game that Kevin Harlan and Trent Green broadcast, oh, and they will be doing, doing the game. The game. You, this is like me with Sp- Spiro Ditas. I'm even, telling you. I'm telling you. You realize Andrew Catalan has now lost 10 consecutive games. Doing so Jets Catalan games? is the new Didis, is what you're telling but me for the right. Jets. Yeah. Seems that way. Seems that way. Catalan, anyway, right, the so- new Didis. But I am not playing it. I am staying away. All I right. was going to pick them last week, and I, I, I laid off it, and they won. They covered. Let's hope it happens again. I'm rooting against that pick, obviously. All right, game obviously. three. Here yes. is our overreaction line of the week, in my opinion. And I may look like a total fool and a moron for picking against a team that might be the best in all football. I am doing it anyway. The Titans getting 10 Mm. points is way too many points. That is an overreaction line to Buffalo looking as dominant as they did and the Titans losing at home to the Giants. Mike Vrabel is a coach that thrives in the underdog situation. The Titans have beaten the Buffalo Bills each of the last two years. Buffalo's everyone's darling. Buffalo now in this Monday night primetime spot. Everyone is going to be on the Buffalo Bills, and they'll probably win the game, Joe. But 10 points, that is too many points, my friend. Give me the Titans. They're covering that number. I'm not taking this game. I thought about ta- I actually thought about taking Buffalo. Let me say one thing, though. The Tennessee Titans are a paper team. Let's be real. They're a fraud, all right? And I don't know how good a coach Mike Brable is. He's great until he gets the big playoff games and then he can't win them. I, you know, so I. Well, who's this quarterback been? In fairness, well, well I mean, it's, it's not like he's going in these playoff games with Mahomes. I, I understand, great. but Tannehill didn't cost him the game last week. In fact, he almost won. No, the but game he cost him. him. He cost him the playoff game against the Bengals. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yes, I give yeah. you that. He did do that, but I. But again, I wonder. I mean, they're a little bit of a fraud. I mean, I'm sorry. So, but I'm not touching the game. 
The other thing is we got two Monday night games this week. Yes, we I do. Mean, one on ESPN and one on ABC. I don't okay. like it. I wish they did the double dip in the late night game, but that's no, I me. like this. Are they going to do this from that? They should do it every week. They, they should, should do it every scrap, week. They should scrap the damn Thursday night game. Get rid of Thursday night. Okay, it's a terrible night for football. Get rid of the Thursday night game and do two Monday games. But they're I mean, never going to do that and give no, away well, standalone winner because of the amount of money they're paying. Never okay. going to do it. Of course. Of course. All right, game three. I'm going. The only win I had last week was the Lions. They covered the number by, a, you know, by, a, you know what, by a, the skin of their teeth, the three and a half. And they, they, you know, what it, they lost by three, whatever it was, four, lost by three, whatever. They came back. I'm taking the Lions to win at home against WFT. And I like the fact, because I will not call them the name that they are. To me, they the are the, words. Word, the, they are words. the Washington football team. That name is a joke. Okay, it's a freaking joke, but I'm calling the Washington football team. I like the Lions. They're going to win the game outright. You know, Carson Wentz. I mean, remember, Carson Wentz is still the quarterback. I know he had a nice game. They came from behind to beat the Jaguars last week. Big deal. Am I supposed to get excited about that? No, I'm taking the Lions to win the game outright. I'm only laying a point and a half. Give me Detroit laying the one and a half for my second consecutive win this year with the Lions. Going back to the well. Similar playbook to me going back to the well with the Giants, and I can understand why. That game had stay away written all over it for me. I have no feel. Right. Uh, right. I, I thought about the Eagles last week. I'm glad because they had a 17-point lead, and they flushed it down the toilet. They did. Glad they did. I didn't get involved there. You get yourself a win, and away we go. All right. I love this game. They couldn't make this number high enough as far as I'm concerned. The Packers are going to absolutely blow the doors off the Chicago Bears. Remember with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Green Bay last year got smoked by New Orleans and Jacksonville in the hurricane yep. game. Yep. And yep. the narrative yep. was they're, they're a mess. It's Rodgers. It's this. It's that. Then they rattle off like six or seven wins in a row. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Absolutely, positively owns the Bears. They're at Lambeau Field. It is a primetime game. And I get the Bears coming off a win. Where do I sign? 10 points, Joe? This line is too low. This line should be 13 and a half or 14, and the Packers are going to stick it to them. I'll lay the wood, Packers, in an absolute route. I see why you're doing this. I'm not touching this game, but I'm a little worried about Green Bay. I don't know how good they are. Uh, I think their coach is very overrated, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, he wins a lot of games in a regular season, and then they, you know, he chokes it in the playoffs. I don't know. You know, Demonte Adams isn't there anymore. I, I don't, you know, I, I'll, I'll be a little... Look, I don't think they won't. They'll lose to the Bears, but overall, I'm a little a little skeptical about Green Bay. But I could see you laying the ten points in this game. All right, this line begs to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, how in the freaking world can the New England Patriots, with the lousy quarterback Mac Jones, who by the way had back issues or whatever last week, be a two point favorite in Pittsburgh, coming off that win against Cincinnati? And I understand that Belichick over the years with the Patriots has had tremendous success against the Steelers, has had tremendous success against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Right? We know that. He's beaten them a couple times in, in championship games in Pittsburgh. I, I, I understand all of this. Okay, I get it. All right? But I just don't see it, bro. I mean, I understand that, uh, that Trubisky's the quarterback. I get it. Uh, I get it that they were very fortunate to win last week. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, if that extra point doesn't get blocked, they lose, you know, so when they had to drop it, even in the overtime, you know, a bad snap is the reason McFadden didn't make that kick. It was a high snap. He didn't get it down. 
whatever, in the overtime kick. But I, I think I don't. I, I think the only games the Patriots might win this year is the two Jet games. To be very honest with you, I mean, I, I just don't think. I know Bill's there, but you are you really selling me Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, two completely failed head coaches in the league? These guys are calling plays for this team. I know Bill's calling the offense. They got no skill position guys. There's got they got what do they have? What do they have? I'm I'm taking I. It's one of these lines like the Giant game last week, but I got to take the Steelers at home way too against this New England team. I, I I just have to. Last week we had a similar situation. It was the Giants and the Titans. Yep. You had Tennessee. I went with the Giants. You, you did, and you were right. 100%. And for one week, I ended up being right. Well, Joe, I'm going back to the well here. I'm taking the Patriots because of everything you just said. Their offense is a mess. The right. team looked yep. awful against the Miami Dolphins. Here's why I like New England. This line being what it is, New England is a road favorite in this game, makes no sense. Here's why I think it might make a little sense. T.J. Watt, out for the right. foreseeable future. Yeah. That is and an enormous the loss for the Steelers. Born, born Might be out with the entire, the entire season. Yes. Harris is going to play. I don't know how healthy he's going right. to be in this game. And I think the Patriots can exploit the weakness of the Steelers, which is their offensive line. So I'm going to get a fishy line, desperate New England team, mismatch they can go after. This is a game if the Patriots lose, I think they're in for a long, long year. Long, long year. I don't think they're any good anyway, but I think it's a good spot to take them, Joe. I'll go heads up with you, pal. I'm taking the Patriots laying the tail. All right. Is there any chance Jones doesn't play in this game? Yeah, it's possible. And you know what? I'm not particularly concerned one way or the other because I don't You're think not. he's very good to begin with. To be honest, as bad as Hoyer is, I don't think Mac Jones is any good. Hoyer is one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of, of professional football. I mean, I, I mean, he Brock just Osweiler it. might have something to say about that. Uh, or, I, uh, I don't know. I think I got to give Osweiler the edge. It, it's amazing to me that Brian Hoyer has lasted 50 years now in the NFL. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. If Brian Hoyer wins this game, bro, I'll probably, please. All right. Uh, so we go. I, I, well, I would uh, bet, though, pain. if it so is Hoyer, next- if it is Hoyer, I think the line will move come Sunday. Just Probably. throwing that out there. But it is what it is for us. We're locking in it, too. Right. So you'll get it, too if, regardless. If Hoyers winds up being the quarterback, Pittsburgh is going to be favored in the game with all seven. I think it might be minus one. I think they might move right. a couple of points. Correct. Yeah, right. right. All right. Go ahead, bro. So, so what do we have? We, so so I, you my, have one more four. pick. Uh, my five are in. Go ahead. My five ahead. are in. The last pick is yours. Oh, you got your five in already? I'm in. Oh. I started. Remember, I let off. Oh, that's right. Oh, I've that's got the last one. Yeah. I like the Cowboys getting seven and a half. I, you're I going back. I you're going you, back. I couldn't do it. I, 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 I and I get why you're doing it. I didn't have the stones to do it, bro. I, I, I have to do it. The, the cow, even without Prescott, the Cowboys cannot be as bad as they played last week. They're home for the second straight week. And I don't know about the Bengals. I, you know what? You know there's no shot. Let me tell you, let me tell you this. There is no shot that the Cincinnati Bengals are going back to the Super Bowl. Zero, no I agree with that. I totally Zero. agree with that. Okay. Not in that conference. No, no way. No way. Joe Burrow's terrific. All of that. Jamar Chase is terrific. All of that. Mixon's terrific. All of that. There's no way, bro. I am taking the Cowboys getting the seven and a half. Cowboys still got a pretty good defense. Uh, you know, this quarterback, I, you know, I don't know. I know he played a little last year. I don't know a lot about him, but I'm taking the I'm taking I saw this at eight in some places. You got it at seven and a half. But give me the give me the Cowboys getting seven and a half, bro. At home. So we have one family play. Yep. We have one heads up play. 
Yes. And then we have three all over the map. So for Beningo, the Saints plus two and a half. Ravens laying three and a half. Lions plus the point and a half. Steelers plus two. Dallas plus seven Lions and a half. Are laying a point. Lions are laying a point and a half. Lions They're are laying. laying a point. My mistake. Yeah. Lions laying right. one. I got New Orleans as well. I got the Giants laying two. Titans plus 10. Packers laying 10. And then I'm heads up with Joe with the Patriots minus two. Before we say goodbye, as we tape this 7.30 on Thursday night, bigger concern for Joe Beningo this weekend, the Mets and their four-game series with the Pittsburgh Pirates or your beloved New York Jets with Joe Flacco at quarterback against the Browns. My biggest concern is with the Mets right now because the Mets are, Mets are in a position where they have a chance to win a world championship, and I'm very concerned about that right now. You know, I think the Jets, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be another very long season for the Jets. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. But I just get that feeling. Uh, you know how I feel about the coach, this nonsense with the receipts and all it is. Give me oh, a what a disgrace. You're, what you're a disgrace. You saw me kill him but, on it. I killed but, him for it. No, and rightfully and, so. And he, he deserves, deserves to, to be killed. killed. Of course he does. Four and 14 since you've been here. Give me a damn break, Robert, okay? Go win some freaking games. With that said, I'm much more worried about the Mets. You know, I might, this team has a chance to do something. We know they're going to make the playoffs. I've said it over and over again, though, bro. If they don't win the division, they are not going to get to the World Series. And I, I think they're setting themselves up for a massive, they're setting all of us up for a massive disappointment come October. I, I, I really think that. Because to me, look, even if they get through a first round, you know, uh, uh, wild card series, they got into the division series and let's say they lose to the Dodgers. It was a disappointing. This year was a disappointment. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves about that. So because I'm you don't know how many more years, regardless of this owner yeah, and his ability to you spend, have no idea. you have right. no idea the right. Grom and Scherzer and yep. what you're getting year to year with those guys. You don't know. So I don't even think look, I don't even think the Grom's gonna be back next year. You know how I feel about that. Scherzer's 37, 38. We've already seen him breaking down. He was on the, he was on the IL. Now he's, I guess he's going to pitch Monday. He pitched in Syracuse yesterday. But we've seen him already be banged up a couple times this year. They got a bunch of free agents. Edwin Diaz is a free agent. Brandon Nimmo is a free agent. I know I'm missing some guys that are as well. Um, I think the Starling Monte injury is bigger than, than people realize. No, they miss him in the lineup. They, they really miss him. miss him in the lineup, no doubt. And and they one thing the Mets have to do with the offseason they got to get a legitimate designated hitter because they don't have one. That position, beside the fact that Lindor and Alonzo the last month have, have got no big hits at all. I mean, you, you say whatever you want. Those guys have killed them for a month now, okay? I don't care what the numbers say, right? Big deal, Pete hits a home run when they're losing, you know, by five runs. Big deal, Lindor hits a home run when they're losing by five runs or when they're winning by 10. Big deal. Am I supposed to get excited about that? No, right? But that being said, the DH position has destroyed them. Early in the year with J.D. Davis and Dom Smith, and now with Vogelback, with Ruff, it's been a, a complete black hole all year. So uh, I'm concerned about the Mets. They need to sweep Pittsburgh this week, starting tonight. There can be no more of these. They've lost five straight games at home to the, to the Nationals and the Cubs. So I'm, I'm worried, bro, and I'm worried. And like I said, this team doesn't – in my mind, this team doesn't get themselves to a World Series. This was a massive disappointment of a year. 
Joe Beningo, old school, new school. Buddy, I wish you luck on every game except the Dolphin game. I understand. I'll even wish you luck with the Steelers. I don't even care about that. You, you, you want to see the Patriots. I told yeah, you. Yeah, it's win-win for me. Either I win the bet or the Patriots 0-2 and they're going to have a miserable year. Right. I can't lose. Uh-huh. I, I can't lose. I'm telling you, two wins for the Pats this year, the homecoming game against the Jets, and then the game at the Jets. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> I will see you next week. We'll see if the Mets Bro. put you in a better mood. All the love. So we go from old school, new school with our pal Joe Beningo to our buddy in the desert. The great Arthur Caesar, Westgate, Superbook, our Vegas extraordinaire. Week one in the books. We not only survived, Art, we crushed it in week one. I'm feeling great. What's happening, brother? Oh, JJ, we had a good week one, man. It was uh, it was great to have the NFL back. Obviously, we got a little taste on Thursday, but... When you get that full slate on Sunday, man, there is nothing better. Dude, you ain't kidding. Whole lot of good vibes. Had Seattle on Monday night. They took care of business. And I had to sweat this Charger game out. Or they were the right side in this game. It felt like they were covering the entire game. I might have used every word of profanity imaginable at SNY when Justin Herbert threw that pick six and it's going back 100 plus yards. But thank you, Brandon Staley, for going for it. Um, I have to assume... Chiefs win the game, Chargers cover, game goes under. Good result, bad result. You know what? It was good, but good in like the smallest sense of the word. It was obviously we did well on the Chargers, straight bets. When the game stays under, that helps. Obviously, all the Chief money line stuff obviously moves on, but it wasn't a huge decision. The way we really would have gotten beat up was Chiefs and over. Obviously, that didn't happen. When you go from week one to week two, it's all about the overreaction, in my opinion. And what I tried to do this week is sniff out and find the line that reeked of an overreaction. So, the floor is yours, sir. What is the biggest overreaction line this week? Wow, I think there's a couple, but I'm just going to hit this one. And it's a weird one, but I'm just going to look pre the injury. So I'm going Dallas, Cincinnati. Look ahead line with Dak Prescott. Dallas minus two and a half. We reopened it. Cincinnati minus eight. I mean, that is such a monumental swing. We've already seen buy, we've already seen buy on Dallas. That's gotten us to seven. And Cooper Rush, I'm not saying he's Dak Prescott. I'm not saying he's anybody, but he's serviceable. He's been there. He won a big game last year on the road. Like, And this game is at home. Like, He's been in the building. He has some cohesiveness with that group. So, And Cincinnati's a mess on the offensive line. I just think that line basically moving 10 or 11 points, Dak Prescott's not worth 10 or 11 points. Really, no quarterback is. So I think that's a clear overreaction. Um, when it comes to a sucker line or the fishiest of the fishies, we like to call them here on New York, New York. Is there a line or that fits the category of fishiest of the fishy? Tough to find one this week. I, I think if I'm going to just look at one, not that it's fishy, but I think the action we've taken is fishy. Hear me out. San Francisco at home. We opened San Francisco minus 10. We got as low as eight. We've gone back to eight and a half. Sharp players. This isn't the public. Sharp players have been happy to take Seattle. 
that to me is is odd. I, I have to throw out what I saw in week one from the Niners. They played in a monsoon. I get it. You know, Trey Lance wasn't good. The running back gets hurt. And Seattle basically won their Super Bowl on Monday night, beating Russell Wilson. Now they have to go on the road. They lose Jamal Adams. Like, to me, the action on that is fishy. I, the line makes sense, it being that high. But the fact now that you've gotten uh, San Francisco to a teaser leg now, they're sitting six and a half. You tease them six. Now you're under the field goal. So I think that's been the most interesting one to me like that. Are you surprised that New England's still favored against Pittsburgh? No, I think. And New England's taking a lot of sharp money. We opened New England one and a half. It's now two and a half. I think that's a lot of things. I think people still look at New England as Belichick. They understand Brady's not there anymore. But people still like to bet on Belichick. I mean, the Steelers shouldn't have won on Sunday. Let's be real. I mean, they they won the game, but they did everything in their ability to give that game to Cincinnati. And now, Art, they don't have Watt the yeah, next eight weeks. Exactly. And now you take Watt off that team. The only And I gave out New England. I'll tell you my picks. I'll tell you Joe's picks in a second. I gave out New England because I think the line makes no sense. Because even though the Steelers did everything possible to go and lose that game, they're coming off a win. The Patriots did not look particularly good against the Dolphins. And you throw any uncertainty with Mac Jones. Not that I love him to begin with, but he's beat up going into this game, and yet they're still favored. That tells me all I need to know. That makes it a New England play. That's the way I see it. I, I totally agree. And I think, too, you you hit it on the head with Steelers won. Like, New England needs this game. I mean, this is a winnable game. I understand it's on the road, but it's a winnable game. New England does not want to start 0-2, especially in that division. So I think this is a huge game for New England. I'm with you. The fact, I know they're a road favorite. The fact that it's under the field goal, I like New England. Uh, before I give you these picks, I got to ask you Jets and Browns. Are you guys getting nothing but Browns money? So we were early, right? We, we had Browns six. We've now gotten a six and a half. And, you know, we didn't move off of it, but a respected better took uh, New York plus six and a half which I was shocked by. I think they're just hoping. Low total, by the way, too. The thing you've seen in that game is a lot of under money. Oh, that's going to be an ugly game, Uh, dude. That total went from 42 to 39 and a half. That game has like 14-10 written all over it, dude. And I'm not betting the game. I don't have a feel for the game. There's no way in the world I'm betting the Jets. And I'm not laying six to six and a half with Jacoby Brissett. That game is going to be ugly. Very ugly. No, I agree. And, you know, we even had the total a little bit higher. We had 43, and now we're, 40, you know, 39 and a half, like you said. So I think, you know, that that respected better took the six and a half was just thinking, this is going to be an ugly game. Maybe Cleveland wins by three. I'll take my six and a half and take a chance. Okay. Now it's time to give you the Beningo picks and the Jastrzemski picks. Uh, you will tell me which ones you like more. Uh, we had two very different week ones. There's no denying that. Beningo and I are both riding the Saints plus two and a half. He went with the Ravens, laying three and a half. Detroit, Pittsburgh, and he took the Dallas Cowboys seven and a hook. IR went New Orleans. I took the Giants. I took Tennessee, which to me is the overreaction line week one to week two. I'm laying it with the Packers. I think the Bears are terrible. I'm not overreacting there. And I have the Patriots. So you have Beningo's picks. You have my picks. Which ones you like more? Well, let's start with Joe's. I know you're both on New Orleans. I actually love New Orleans this week. You know, that line's dropped a little bit. It was the Saints at one point. All right, that's three. my favorite play of the yep. week, dude. I love the Saints. 
I love them. Yeah, and they've I'm beaten a- Brady every which way except for the playoff game since he's gone to Tampa. 100%. They've won four straight against Tampa. You know, you're getting that team in that building. You know they'll be juiced up for the game. You were getting three or two and a half, whatever you got. But now it is two and a half. So I love New Orleans. That's a solid pick for both of you. You know, as far as that Baltimore pick goes for Joe, that's an interesting one because we saw a lot of money come into Miami. It was four and a half. It's gotten all the way to three and a half. So really the sharp, more respected money is on Miami. So I'm actually, even though I liked Baltimore last week and Baltimore's a Super Bowl play for me, I'm going to X that one out for Joe. I don't love it. I kind of like his Detroit pick. I think Detroit gets it home, you know, done at home. I know they're the favorites for the first time in a million years. I do like that one. Dallas, we mentioned Dallas. I think Dallas is kind of sneaky at home, getting the seven and the hook, you know, especially if that's where Joe got it, because I just think it's such an overreaction. Like Cooper Rush isn't horrible. He really isn't. So I like that one. And I'm not with him on New England. So I'm with um, I'm not with him on Pittsburgh. I'm with you on New England. As far as your goes, like I said, love New Orleans, love New England, love the Packers. The Packers are going to roll over the Bears. You know that. That game's 31-10, 24-3, something like that. Titans, I could see it. That's probably an overreaction line, too. I mean, I know the Bills are a Super Bowl favorite and they're a great team, but 10 is a lot of points to be giving to that Titans team. The only pick that I really don't love with you is the Giants. And I know this is going to be me being a negative Giants fan, I think the Giants are going to lose on Sunday. Like, I, I just do. I just, I don't know. You don't like of, this spot for them. That's I what don't. it boils down to. I don't. Hey, listen, Carolina coming off a tough loss, Giants coming off a big win. But explain this one to me more, Art. What Public's all over Carolina in this game, and this line's moved a half point in the direction of the Giants. Yeah, see... For us, just looking at the money we've taken, and it hasn't been big because obviously there's a lot of a lot of bigger games on the board, but we did open Giants two and a half. We've taken Carolina money, so we've only moved it, like you said, to half a point. It's not a big decision for us right now, but if I'm just looking at our breakdown, Carolina is still the side that has taken the money, and that's probably more public money. There's really no sharp players on either side right now, so that's just us looking at it. I'm going to do what I did last week, and it worked well for you at 4-1. and one. I'm giving you the blessing again. All right. Well, let's hope that works out well. Before we say goodbye, it is now your time to shine. Week two, we know you're giving us a tease, Art, so fire away. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, last week, we didn't even have to sweat. I mean, that was, that was as easy as it's going to get last week with Minnesota and Baltimore. I'm going to go with one of the games that we both talked about, which is our favorite game of the week. I'm teasing the Saints to eight and a half. I love the Saints at home. I mean, I like them straight up. I think there's value on the money line too. But the fact that I can tease at six points and make the Saints plus eight and a half, I'm all about it. And then a game that we have, there's a lot of five and a halves out there, but we're currently sitting six. I think the Raiders, it's a must win at home. I don't think Arizona's any good. Obviously, they're still without Hopkins. I just don't believe in Murray. I don't believe in Kingsbury. Raiders will roll at home, so you're making the Raiders a pick them. So your two-team six-point teaser is Raiders at pick them at home. New Orleans plus eight and a half at home. Art the Caesar, Superbook, Westgate, Vegas extraordinaire. Good luck, buddy. Uh, let's hope the blessing works out well, and we will talk in week three. JJ, as always, my friend, it's a pleasure to be with you every week, and uh, let's cash some tickets, my friend. That is the move. That is the idea. We go from Art the Caesar to the fantasy guru, Pro Football Network's Jason Katz, next. So we wrap up 
a football Friday like we do each and every week. Jason Katz, Pro Football Network. He joins us each and every week. And, buddy, we got to start here. Week one's in the books. I just had Arthur Caesar on from Superbook, and we're talking about the lines and the overreactions as far as that goes. Now that week one is in the books from a fantasy perspective, how are we feeling? Uh, we're feeling pretty good about certain calls that I made. I mean, obviously, no one's going to get anything right. But the two main guys that I was basically pounding the table everyone needs to draft were Michael Pittman and A.J. Dillon. And it's only one week, but after one week, feeling pretty good about those calls. Uh, I would agree. And I'm feeling pretty good that I have A.J. Dillon on a bunch of my fantasy teams. So thank you for that. I made that a point of emphasis. So job well done. Now, after week one, and this is not just the grand takeaway, doing New York, New York, but from a fantasy perspective, holy smokes, cats. Saquon Barkley looked like a man possessed. This looked like a running back who was all the way back. This looked like a guy that we saw in his rookie year. This looked like Penn State Saquon Barkley. Sustainable? Yay or nay? I came on this very show in late August, and I said I saw one route from Saquon Barkley in the preseason, and I knew right away that he was back. And what we saw in week one, I mean, that is the guy I remember from 2018. We did not see that guy last year. That explosiveness, that burst, that breakaway speed, it was not there last year. He's now another year removed from the ACL tear, and he's got all of that. I mean, what we saw from him in week one is is the stuff overall RB1s are made of. 18 carries, 164 yards, seven targets, caught six of them for 30 yards. I mean, he's doing it on the ground, doing it through the air, scoring touchdowns, scoring two-point conversions. Uh, Saquon Barkley is looking like one of the best picks you could have made in the early second round. It's, it's crazy to think that at one point he was going in the third round of fantasy drafts early in July, but still, that was a thing that was happening. I mean, this guy looks like he's going to be a top five pick next year. My goodness, impressive stuff. And you get it if you have him on your fantasy team. You get it if you're a New York Giant fan. Uh, before we do the matchups, your beloved Cowboys, Dak Prescott is going to be out now the next couple of weeks. From a fantasy perspective, that's a killer for CeeDee Lamb. A lot of folks have either Ezekiel Elliott or, like myself, you have Tony Pollard on your team. Is that the sort of thing, Jason, where you say, well, Zeke and Pollard are going to get that much more work and they're going to get that much more touches? Or is it they don't have their quarterback, their offensive line is in shambles. This offense is toxic from a fantasy perspective. How do we see the next few weeks shaking out for the Cowboys? No, I mean, this is an outright disaster. There's no way to spin this as a positive for anything. Uh, I was very high on Tony Pollard. We talked about two things I got. I think I got right. Uh, Pollard is going to be one that I'm looking really wrong on. So what I was banking on is just a lot of offense. And Pollard beat could be that that 1B to Zeke in what was last year the best offense in football. Uh, not so much this year. I mean, Pollard, six carries for eight yards in the first game, only two targets. The only positive, he only played two fewer snaps than Zeke, and he only ran three fewer routes, same number of targets, four fewer carries. The usage actually was pretty similar. But with Cooper Rush, this team's just not going to score enough points. I think they're going to play slower, and they were one of the fastest-paced teams in the NFL last year, and they're not going to score as many points. There won't be as many opportunities for scoring for this team. And from the, from the passing game perspective, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on here. They got their wide receiver three is this UDFA Dennis Houston. And full disclosure, I mean, I know a lot of players in the NFL because I got I had no idea who this guy was going into last week's game. And this guy played 40 snaps and ran 30 routes. 
So this offense, I mean, everything is wrong right now. It's it's just CeeDee Lamb, and, there, and there's nothing else there. The only guy I think is probably going to be okay is Dalton Schultz, because in, in PPR leagues, he's going to get those underneath uh, routes where defenses just don't really care. If Cooper Rush is taking six, seven yards to Dalton Schultz, because they're going to take away CeeDee Lamb and take away anything downfield. Jason, now it's time. The all-important start set. Quarterback, running back, receiver will combine both elements in play. We start with the quarterback position. Week two. Fire All right. I offered this guy up last week, and he was just okay. Doing it again. Derek Carr, we're going back to the well. He put up a respectable 16.8 points last week, but he still fell a couple points short of QB1 numbers. Last week's game script was good, but this week's matchup is elite. The Cardinals just eviscerated by Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr is not. And Carr is not about to score 34 fantasy points. But I think he's a good bet for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a shootout in a game where Devontae Adams has his family present for like the first time ever. I think these, these two guys are just going to go off this week. I think Derek Carr is a top eight play this week. On the other side, we got Tom Brady, who I'm sitting this week. I'm a little concerned about Brady for the first time since 2014. For the first time in his career. Now, I'm speculating here. I have no inside information. I don't know anything here. I'm not sure if he is all there mentally in football. And that's something we never could have said about Brady before. A lot going on off the field. Just 212 yards and a touchdown last week. He struggled against the Saints throughout his entire time in Tampa Bay. He's never beaten them. His 11.38 fantasy points last week were outside the top 25. I think the Bucs are going to be more of a ball control and defensive team this season. They're going to play a lot slower. They have brand plays at the third slowest pace last week after being number one in the league last year. I'm not sure Brady's a QB1 at all this week, and I'm not starting him this week. Would you claim a Justin Fields or a Carson Wentz if Tom Brady is your quarterback? Just throwing that out there. In one of my leagues where I do have Brady, I picked up Derek Carr. I'm starting him over him this week. I know Carr is probably not available in most leagues, but uh, if I have Brady, I'm absolutely putting one of those guys on my bench. Even someone like Marcus Mariota, I put on my bench just just in case, as long as I had the spot. Let's get to running back, Jason. All right. I'm starting this week, Devin Singletary. The Titans were just torched by Saquon Barkley. We just talked about it. 194 all-purpose yards. Of course, Singletary, not Barkley. The Bills, 10-point home favorites. Josh Allen scored all four of the Bills' touchdowns last week. That's not going to happen every week. Eventually, someone else is going to score touchdowns, presumably the running back. That's Devin Singletary. He was efficient last week against a tough Rams front seven, eight carries, 48 yards. I think he falls to the end zone this week, and that'll, that'll be good for RB2 numbers. So I like Devin Singletary in a game the Bills should control throughout. On the other side, um, fading Tony Pollard. I don't need to rehash this. We just talked about why. Uh, basically, it's not about to get any better with Cooper Rush. I didn't like what I saw last week. So we're, we're, we're out on Tony Pollard uh, for the foreseeable future. Now we get to wide receiver. And there were a couple of breakout candidates in week one. You try to figure out if what they were able to do is realistic or is it a flash in the pan. So now I give you the week two. Full board, Jason. I'm very intrigued. Uh, talk about breakout candidates. Talk about young guys. We're going old. We're turning back the clock. Now, this is a caveat here. He's got to play. Hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday, but I kind of think it's just better maintenance. Going with Julio Jones. Oh, we are turning back the clock. Okay. Yeah, three catches, 69 yards last week. Looked pretty good out there. He ran just one fewer route than Mike Evans. You know Chris Godwin is out. Um, Mike Evans didn't practice on Thursday either, so it's possible he may not be out there dealing with a calf injury. Russell Gage dealing with a hamstring. I mean, we don't really know if anyone's playing for the Bucs uh, at receiver this week, but if Julio does play, uh, he's going to be the wide receiver too this week. And even though I'm fading Brady, I think Julio still sees enough targets to post wide receiver three numbers. That's not bad for a guy who was an afterthought in fantasy drafts. 
On the other side, all, another older guy going with Tyler Lockett. If last week was any indication, uh, the notion that Lockett's skill set doesn't mesh well with, with Geno Smith is looking pretty good. Lockett only saw four targets last week, while DK Metcalf saw seven. And that was a game where the Seahawks had neutral to positive game script throughout. Geno Smith played about as well as possible, and Lockett wasn't really involved. This week, 49ers are coming off a bad loss on the road against the Bears. They are going to be heavily motivated at home against the Seahawks. I kind of think they just shut down the Seahawks offense. Lockett, he's not just a sit this week. I think he's a sit until further notice. Before we say goodbye, I got two Twitter questions for you. You ready? Ready to go. And I didn't even throw out a tweet. It just goes to show you the audience knows. Cats comes on Friday. We got to ask a fantasy question. This one comes from Dustin. Half point PPR. Tony Pollard, Khalil Herbert, or Zay Jones? Wow. You know, I, I like how you gave me a tricky one here. I hear Tony Pollard. I'm thinking, okay, we're easily sitting him. But the other guys are Khalil Herbert and Zay Jones. That's a tough one. Uh, Khalil Herbert did look very good last week. He did get the goal line carries over David Montgomery, but still only nine carries. Just one target. He's still just the backup. I would not feel comfortable starting him, especially on the road as a heavy underdog against the Packers. And the Packers are going to play really strong this week. So I'm taking out Khalil Herbert. It just comes down to Pollard and whether you think he'll be more involved as a receiver. And I kind of just don't have any confidence in this Cowboys offense. Zay Jones had not, saw nine targets last week. Colts are, um, sorry, the Jaguars are underdogs against the Colts, which means probably going to have to throw six catches, 65 yards last week. I'm going with Zay Jones there. One more from the legend TK. Singletary, who you love this week, Wilson Jr., James Robinson, but it is full point PPR. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one because Devin Singletary doesn't really catch passes. I'm taking out Jeff Wilson. I just don't think that there's enough there. I mean, and we heard Kyle Shanahan say he's just going to play the hot hand. That may not they may not be Jeff Wilson. So it comes down to James Robinson. And, uh, and yeah, I, I kind of like Robinson there. 11 carry, 66 yards. That's that's pretty good. He was the goal line back. He was the primary back ahead of Travis Etienne. I know that I think the Jaguars will be trailing in that game, but I don't think they're going to get like blown out or anything like that. I think James Robinson will still be heavily involved. So I'm going to start James Robinson there. Jason Katz, Pro Football Network. Fabulous job getting you ready for week two across the board. Very much in on the Saquon Barkley resurgence. Very much out on his beloved Dallas Cowboys. Understandably so. All right, buddy. We'll chat next week. Look forward to it. That's Jason Katz from Pro Football Network. Fire tweets his way. He does the start sit all weekend long. He's working like a lunatic, working like a madman. Fantastic. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money after a two and three week one. What's on deck for week two? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks as we for week number two of the NFL. Five pick super contest style. As far as last week, I was two and three. I know you had a fabulous week going four and one. As far as head to head battles, we had nothing matched up going against each other in the Super Contest. As far as our family play, we did uh, go against go go with each other with the Dallas Cowboys, who were 0-1. Okay, so here we go. Five plays started out. Going to start off with a away team. I'm going with your, back with your Miami Dolphins, plus the three and a half on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Game number two, I'm going with a home team. I'm going with the Denver Broncos, minus the nine and a half over the Texans. And game number three, I'm going to go with a home team. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints, plus the two and a half. Over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they usually have their number. Game number four, I'm going to go with a home team. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus the two and a half over the New England Patriots. And on Monday night, I'm going to go with a home team. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills, minus the nine and a half over the Titans. Again, my five plays. I'm going to go with the Dolphins, plus the three and a half. I'm going to go with the Broncos, minus the nine and a half. The New Orleans Saints, plus the two and a half. The Pittsburgh Steelers, plus the two and a half. 
And on Monday, the Buffalo Bills minus the nine and a half. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, let's see if we got some family plays. I'm out of here. Let's go. Well, Jeff Money, we do with the New Orleans Saints. You have one with Beningo with the Steelers. I have the Patriots. Your heads up with Beningo in the Miami Baltimore game. Only thing with your lines, we're going by the FanDuel circle lines. That's what we're doing. So you're getting two with Pittsburgh and you're getting 10 with Buffalo. So we'll see if that matters either way. But we are heads up in both of those games for what it's worth. And these lines come from FanDuel and the Circa contest that I'm in. So we check both of them. So they are as official as it gets. Good luck. Great job, as always, by Stefan. We are back with a loaded Sunday podcast. All the baseball. Mets need wins. Yankees and Brewers. The judge watch as he gets closer and closer at Roger Maris' record. But football is going to take center stage. Can the Giants get to 2-0? Can the Jets show you some sort of fight? Get the voicemails in my way at 917-382-1151. We will have a podcast dropping. We're going to record right after the 4 o'clock games. Should be up by around eh, 9.30 or so, 10 o'clock, give or take. Great job by Stefan. Enjoy a little time off. Well-deserved. Back Sunday. JJ out. Enjoy the weekend. Be good, everybody.